I'd like to share an email with you this morning that someone um, here at Fellowship of Faith, someone I consider a friend, sent me six or seven weeks ago, I'd say. Let me read it to you. I've been wrestling internally with all that is going on in social media. I've been so disheartened by seeing friends, family, etc., on social media completely rip people apart for their opinions instead of listening, whether they agree or disagree. Teaching, sharing, and educating each other does not look like what is happening now. Where's the love, kindness, putting others before yourself, lifting others up? I know you've done a message before on something to the effect of how to be a Christian in political situations and was thinking something very similar with all that is going on now. Like what is our role and our duty to each other? My heart just is broken watching the comments, memes, and hurtful words slung back and forth between people in my immediate family and friend circle. But what's getting to me even more is people from our church. I don't know. Just throwing the suggestion out there, and if you have any interest, let me know. I'd be happy to help you pull a variety of things that are shared and touted currently. Hoping my venting makes sense. I'm struggling with joining in-person church because of how I'm left feeling with several people lately. You know, she's not alone. It was interesting. I sent an e-news out on this, this mini-series that we're beginning on Friday morning. And in that short window of time between Friday morning and this morning, I've actually received more responses from people to a sermon series than I ever have in my 17 years serving at this church. There is this growing sense of what I can only say, weariness, that I believe many of us are are facing in our verbal landscape, growing frustration, pain, and hurt. A lot of us feel just run down by it or rubbed raw by it. I don't want a show of hands, but I just want you to ask, I mean, as I was reading that email, can you identify with it? You know, it just, it really seems like we're growing in a, in a culture that's becoming more and more mean and disrespectful, where, where people don't seem to mind calling other people names, and where it's becoming more and more acceptable to caricaturize people's beliefs and opinions and make snap judgments about their character or where we think our actions don't have consequence because they're on an electronic platform instead of face to face 
or where we think it's justified because after all, I'm right and they just need to be set straight. And so, I don't know. Maybe you're here and maybe you're honestly one of them. And I'll say this, if you're one of them, we're so glad that you're here. We really are. Maybe you're not one of them, but I guarantee this, you're in relationships with people who are. None of us can escape this. We're all exposed to it and it leaves us kind of wondering, how do I respond in a Christ-centered way marked by both integrity and respect and compassion? How do I respond in the situations when people are saying things that are just horribly nasty, treating each other in ways that are just horribly nasty. And so I've been wrestling with this for the last several weeks since she sent it to me. And and, and I'll say this, it's not really about fellowship of faith. I know it exists here. I know it exists other places. That's not to justify it. No, furthest thing from I'm bringing this up today not because, oh, we've got a problem here in the church and we've got to fix it so people come to in-person worship. No, that's so secondary to this. It's really because I think it's something that we're all struggling with and, and all kind of wrestling and, and whether we, 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 by our personalities, jump in to kind of attack or we, we retreat and hide and isolate. We all kind of find ourselves on this strange spectrum, I think, of going, God, what do I do So for these next two weeks, just a mini-series talking about the ugly side of community. Today we're gonna talk about how to respond to attack and how to deal through that side of the landscape. Next week, we're gonna talk through retreat and the tendency so many maybe you have to that side of the equation is, well, you can't have one of these Sundays without the other. Tune in this week and don't listen to next week and you only have half the equation and your answers will be wrong. You need to have them both. But it's too much to do in one shot. So today, I wanna jump in. And I'll preface this by saying, I think what this email describes, all of us are guilty of this at some point. At some point or some time or some level or to some degree, aren't all of us guilty of a rash comment or an angry response or, or, or a gossipy kind of thing that we get going forward or just feeling the urge and need to have to respond negatively even if the situation is inappropriate. But you know what's worse is that I think people who call themselves Christians are often the worst culprits of this. And I say the word calls themselves Christians very intentionally because regardless of how you self-identify, what the word Christian actually means is little Christ. And whatever you call yourself, anytime you stop acting like Jesus would act, I just simply submit that it's questionable whether you should call yourself a Christian. 
I want to give you an example of this. And I intentionally removed it from our immediate circumstance to a, to a ministry disconnected from fellowship of faith, but one that I love and one that I deeply respect and one who I believe is doing things in the kingdom that are sorely needed that few others are willing to do. The ministry is called Triple X Church. So xxxchurch.com. The Triple X, of course, being a reference to pornography. I love this ministry. What this ministry devotes themselves to doing is helping people break the chain of pornography in their life. We talk about addiction and of course run to alcohol or drugs or maybe gambling and things like this, but if the statistics are right, and of course they're questionable, when you read them and find that one in three men admit to using pornography or looking at pornography regularly, well, that says something. And what this ministry does is seeks to help people struggling with this secret sin and find the hope and way of Jesus within it. But they do something even more. And I hate to say better, but it's just, it's fantastic to me. They reach out to the porn industry. They reach out to the women and men making and producing pornography. And they witness to them and they love them. And they spend time with them. They go to pornography conventions and set up booths where they can just pray with people and be the love of Jesus in a very dark part of this world and very ugly context. But you know, I'll tell you, the way people talk about them it's horrendous. And I don't mean the porn industry. It's ironic but prophetic. The porn industry actually loves them. And not loves them because they feel like somehow they're condoning their actions. No, far from it. The porn industry actually welcomes them to the conventions and they've come to be invited in almost like a fire department or a football team would invite a chaplain in to come and minister to their people. No, the horrible things are coming from the Sadducees and the Pharisees. It's no different than it was with Jesus. The, the prostitutes and sinners loved him while the religious people hated him and said the most awful things about him. No, no, it's that group that I'm talking about. And, and I just want to share with you some quotes, word for word, that come up on their social media and that at one point they even started posting to their website. I'll, I'll give you the quote that they put on a webpage they devoted to hate mail. They said this. Our hate mail has grown so extreme that we think we need to air it. <laughs> right or wrong, I don't know. They followed it up with, 
I'm sure these people who are saying this mean the best, but we have to deal with it anyway. Let me just read a few of these to you. Advertising church with the letters XXX, you sick people. May God have mercy on your souls when you get to the pearly gates. Get ready for what is coming to you because you will pay for this sin, idiots. Here's one. You're no better than they are. Christ would, and I know you can't see it, but you know how people like all caps and exclamation points? I'll try to kind of mimic that in the read. Christ would never compromise or stoop to their level in order to get them to buy what he's selling. Mary came to him, remember? He didn't go to the whorehouse using words like sex and porn. It's nothing but a gimmick to you, an excuse to mingle with the perverts. You talk more about porn than you do Christ Jesus. Here's one. I have to shake my head and utter, God help these blind people. Here's one. I've sat and tried to think for about five minutes something to express the feeling your sight gives me. It's like a mixture of walking through a graveyard, uh, watching a road traffic accident, and eating a bag of sugar. To know that there are two human minds behind it scares me even more. There's no point in expressing to you that manipulating people to do what you want through fear is the antithesis of love because I know that your mind does not compute logic in the same way as mine. It's hopeless. I'll even avoid my gut instinct to express that something like this can only happen in America and America continues to scare me daily. Sounding familiar yet, I I, want to read you more. And I want to read you more because I think we need to stare this in the face instead of trying to brush it away. I am writing to say how much I hate this website and its purpose. It would appear that you are not the men you are made out to be. It is Christ, the greatest man, whom we should emulate. Your behavior astounds me. Follow Jesus is what I say. Do what he did. Jesus didn't go around eating with sinners or putting himself in a position to help prostitutes. (laughs) Really, come on now. What is the greatest commandment? Shouldn't we seek to obey God? I am done setting you right. I would advise you to consider the life and testimony of Dwight Moody and what he might have to say about this terrible sight. Here's another. I hope that you are sincere in your mistake and not cynically exploiting each other's weak, or exploiting others' weakness. Nothing personal, chums, but um, good luck. How about this? You're actually a bunch of hypocrites. I hope you add this to the hate mail so everyone can see just what kind of ignorant fools you really are. This one, interestingly, was signed by Satan. And look, forgive me a moment, but they use the improper your in the sentence (laughs) and they spelled hypocrite wrong. And it just bothers me at a couple of levels. This one's from a person named Gail. 
I think your associating pornography with the church is an abomination. Here from a man named Jason. You guys are sick puppies. Get a life. Here's from Melissa. I remember another group that acted like you. Um, I think they were called Nazis. Forgive the language. Anonymous. You self-indulgent little bastards. I won't even begin to explain to you why I feel about you, your Bible, and your image of God the way I do. I can only hope you all sink into a big hole one day. I'm really sick and tired of having you hypocritical, self-righteous, backwards, ignorance, I'll say the expletives again, in people's faces all the time. What do you really know about God? Have you met him, her, it? What do you really know about the Bible? Were you there when the books were written, either of them? You really make me sick. From John, F off. Ever heard of minding your own business and taking care of your own house first? And just two more. Okay, first, I'm a Christian and I take offense to your sight. Now don't just dismiss me as one person. I'm one of many. You are what gives Christians a bad name. We are supposed to strive to be Christ-like. Sex is between husband and wife only, and we can protect our children from people like you. In Christ's most holy name, Kara. And finally, dear sirs, I think that what you've done and continue to do is an abomination of the Holy Bible, and worse yet, the word of God. I, for one, do not like to view pornography in any shape or form. I believe it's very degrading to women. Only a weak mind would even consider looking at that trash. I shall pray for you to see the light of God's word and turn from your wicked ways. I think what you are doing is an immoral and terrible stunt. Your moral crusading is filthy, disgusting, and fundamentally unchristian-like. You should be ashamed of your actions and devote your lives to ending world hunger instead. How dare you? Your gent you gentlemen should devote your lives to a most worthy cause. Are you trying to drag people's mind through the gutter? I hope you see the error of your ways and find Jesus Christ. If not, God has a hot place in hell waiting for you. Look at how it's signed. Best regards. <laughs> and then the name. Guys, I have 14 pages of this. And I read you one. As you were listening to this today, did you notice how some of the comments were just caustic, right? They were just caustic and nasty and mean, but did you also notice that some were cloaked in a blanket of civility, but in reality, they were barbed? Did you notice on this that some were, some were based on misconceptions. But the people who were responding didn't take the time 
to check their facts or question their own assumptions. Did you notice that others were just flat out wrong? I mean, their facts were just wrong. But they were absolutely convinced that they were right. And did you notice that in all of these? None of them were really sent for the purpose of opening dialogue. All of them came from a person's internal need to say whatever they felt and their quest to belittle someone or humiliate someone into what they think is right or setting them straight. And as I read these, did you have a, a certain sense start to grow in you? Like, uh, of like, why, why? Why did these people feel the need to say these things? I can't help but think of what Jesus once said to his disciples where he said, brother will betray brother. And all men will hate you on account of me. But he who stands firm to the end will be saved. Here's the real question though. Where are you guilty of doing the same thing? Don't let that question go. I want you to ask it. I want you to ask it again. Where are you guilty of doing the same thing? Of talking like one of these people, of posting like one of these people, of making snide comments in your friend or family circle. not thinking that what you say there still has an effect. Where are you guilty of the same thing? And secondly, I want you to ask, how are you going to respond? How are you going to respond when people say things like this, post things like this, in your circle and in your midst? How are you going to respond when people say things or act like this and it gets under your skin? It gets you angry. It makes you offended. Or even worse, when it's personally directed toward you. You know, I think for some of us, the, the knee-jerk reaction is to retreat, isn't it? Disengage, defriend, ghost. Many of you know this, I'm not much of a social media person. I don't think I've posted something more than once a year. Yes, I have the accounts because that's what you do, right? But, but I don't, and, and please hear me. It's not because I don't see the value, the power, and the wonder of this technology. I absolutely do, and I think it could be an amazing, beautiful thing that's come our way in society. 
No, I don't do it because I just personally don't really enjoy it. I know some of you do, it's just not my thing. But, but there's another layer to it as well. It's that oftentimes I feel like I see people at their worst. And I don't want to see people at their worst. And I don't say that with any sense of nobility. No, I say that as a confession. Because my tendency is to withdraw and retreat and just not deal with it. We'll talk more about that next week. And maybe that's something you'll need to deal with is too, but it's easy to justify. I think of Proverbs 26. Let me read this to you from verse four. This one's fantastic. Do not answer a fool according to his folly, or you yourself will be like him. I've hidden under the banner of Proverbs 26.4, do not answer a fool according to his folly, or you will be like him. Here's the problem. Do you know what the next verse says? Proverbs 26.5. Answer a fool according to his folly. Or he will be wise in his own eyes. Do you you ever feel like this with the Bible and with Jesus? It's like, what? And it's so difficult. It leaves you. What am I supposed to do? Jesus, I want to honor you in this. What is the right way? How do I respond in the messy, ugly platform that I happen to be engaged in? What do you want me to do? It's so hard as a Christian to know what to do. And the Bible has so many things to say. So I made a list. I made a list of Bible verses on how to go about checking our own feelings and how to go about treating other people verbally. On the screen, whether you're live streaming or here, we're just going to put the reference list up, but I'm going to read the verses in full. Let me share 16 with you today. For Matthew 5, verse 22, Jesus says, I tell you that anyone who is angry with his brother will be subject to judgment. Again, anyone who says to his brother, Raka, some kind of Aramaic curse word or profanity, four-letter words exist in their day as well as ours. Anyone who says to his brother, Raka, is answerable to the Sanhedrin, But anyone who says, you fool, will be in danger of the fire of hell. Jesus' words, not mine. Matthew 5, 44. But I tell you, love your enemies and pray for those who persecute you. You done already? Matthew 7. Verse six, do not give dogs what is sacred. Do not throw your pearls to pigs. If you do, they may trample them under their feet and then turn and tear you to pieces. Second Timothy two, don't have anything to do with foolish and stupid arguments because you know they produce quarrels. 
and the Lord's servant must not quarrel. Instead, he must be kind to everyone, able to teach and not resentful. Those who oppose him, he must gently instruct in the hope that God will grant them repentance, leading them to knowledge of the truth. From James 3, the tongue is a small part of the body, but it makes great boasts. Consider what a great forest is set on fire by a small spark. Out of the same mouth come praise and cursing. My brothers, this should not be. From James 3, verse 17. Wisdom that comes from heaven is first of all pure. Then peace-loving, considerate, submissive, full of mercy and good fruit, impartial and sincere. Peacemakers who sow in peace raise a harvest of righteousness. From Colossians 3. But now you must rid yourself of all such things as these, anger, rage, malice, slander, and filthy language from your lips. Do not lie to each other, since you have taken off your old self with its practices and have put on the new self, which is being renewed in knowledge in the image of its creator. Or Colossians 4, be wise in the way you act towards outsiders. Non-Christians, that means. Make the most of every opportunity. Let your conversation always be full of grace, seasoned with salt, so that you may know how to answer everyone. Or how about Romans 12? Do not conform any longer to the pattern of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Or Romans 14. Do not allow what you consider good to be spoken of as evil. Or 1 Timothy 4, set an example for the believers in speech, in life, in love, in faith, and in purity. Or Philippians 4, let your gentleness be evident to all. The Lord is near. How about Galatians 6? Brothers, if someone is caught in a sin, you who are spiritual should restore him gently. But watch yourself, or you also may be tempted. From Galatians 5, the entire law is summed up in a single command. Quote, love your neighbor as yourself. If you keep on biting and devouring each other, watch out or you will be destroyed by each other. These eight words from Jesus in Luke 6 really capture it all, don't they? Do to others as you would have them do to you. Finally, in Luke 6, verse 37, do not judge and you will not be judged. 
Do not condemn, and you will not be condemned. Forgive, and you will be forgiven. You know, I've been wrestling with this list all week, and I'll tell you why. It's because when I started on this, you know, the list was like 40. And I'm like, how do I pare this down to 15? And we haven't even, by those 40, gotten into the full comprehensive nature of what the Bible has to say, let alone what Christians through the ages have handed down and ways of teaching and instructing. Let me just read a couple of to you. This is from Luther's small catechism on the eighth commandment. What is it? You shall not give false testimony against your neighbor. He asks that question, what does this mean? He answers, we should fear and love God so that we do not tell lies about our neighbor, betray him, slander him, or hurt his reputation. But, and there's always a side of what we need to be doing, defend him, speak well of him, and explain everything in the kindest way. How many of us Christians are so fixated on what we don't do and making sure we don't do that but fail to defend him, speak well of him, and explain everything in the kindest way even when he's our enemy? I also really like the Heidelberg Catechism as it comments on the ninth commandment. It's the same commandment, but they order it differently. What is required in the ninth commandment, it says? Answer. I must not give false testimony against anyone. Twist no one's words, not gossip or slander, nor condemn or join in condemning anyone rashly and unheard. Rather, I must avoid all lying and deceits as the devil's own work, under penalty of God's heavy wrath, in court and everywhere else. I must love the truth. Speak and confess it honestly and do what I can to defend and promote my neighbor's honor and reputation. The Bible and Christian tradition says so much on this topic. And living off one favorite verse is the absolute wrong thing to do. Because God has said more than one thing to this topic. And to live based on one verse is to concoct all kinds of false conclusions that fall so far short of the way of Jesus. No. We need to meditate on them all, holding them all in tension, ingesting them and thinking about them, reading them and learning them again and again, allowing God to speak through the totality of his word and not just our favorite piece that defends what I want to do to guide us, to guide us in communicating and responding to communication the way Jesus would do. And if you do that, God will take that stuff and he'll bring it He'll filter it up. But you gotta bring it in. Because if you don't bring it in, it ain't in there to come up. It's just your ideas and your opinions.
And those of you who call yourself Christian, you are called to something so much more than your ideas and your opinions. Put him in and God will filter them up and through his spirit and discerning, he'll give you the right thing to say and do. The biggest danger of this message today is that it becomes a 30-minute one and done. That we gather in a place like this or you watch online and we nod our heads and we laugh at the comments and we, we feel convicted and, 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 and go, oh, I've had a spiritual moment and then walk away doing nothing with it. James speaks to this. He talks about people who do that as people who look in the mirror and then immediately forget what they've seen. I know some of us would like to do that. But God doesn't want us to do that. No, he wants us to look into that mirror of his word and see ourselves and adjust and change and transform accordingly. And so these next couple of weeks, we want to help you do that. Over the summer, we began something here at Fellowship of Faith called Faith Training. Daily spiritual exercises that we put out that you can do to help you grow stronger in your faith and in your relationship with God. Put another way, it's about living it. Because you gotta live it. Otherwise, emails like I shared with you on this first page. Nothing will change. We have three tracks to our faith training here, mild, moderate, and intense, depending on how far you want to push yourself and where you want to go. I want to encourage each of you to go to our faith training webpage at fellowshipoffaith.org and spend time watching the videos and reading it. And I want to describe briefly to you it will fill it out more briefly to you what we're calling you to these next three weeks. The mild track is this. Every day on social media, all of our channels, Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, we're going to post one of these verses. We'll have them spelled out in full to be sure, but we'll post one of them. Every day at 9 o'clock, the post will hit. Monday through Friday, Make sure to read it. Every day, read it. And maybe read it again. Spend some time thinking about it. Let it kind of dance through your mind through the day. Bring God's word into your life. Not just on a Sunday. Here's the moderate track if you want to push yourself more. Every day, read the verse. But then keep saying it throughout the day until the point that you can remember it. They're short. There are worse ways to spend time in your life than thinking about a verse in the Bible eight, 10, or 12 times throughout the day. Go back to that post again and again. Carry it around. Try to say it to yourself when you're in the car or in the shower. 
Think about it when you sit down to eat. Maybe use it as your mealtime prayer. Do anything you can to try to burn that verse in your mind so that you are ingesting at least a sampling of what God has to say. And for those of you who really want to go the intense track, add to it this. Read it. Learn it. Put it into play. Let it serve as a check on all your forms of communication. Go back and look through the history of your posts. Repent where you need to repent. Set right where you were wrong. Practice what it says when people get under your skin. Let God's word change not just how you think, but how you live. Gwen has put a family track together as well. For those of you who want to do this with your kids, tying into the exact same verses, questions you can ask with them. It's all on the same website. Do it. Guys, let's commit to this together. God wants that. Would you agree? Do you think God wants this? Then let's commit to it together. That's enough for today. Next week's part two. The tendency to ghost and retreat. Coming up, band. You stay in your seats. Pray with me. Where, O Lord, are we guilty of not being Christian? And where, O Lord, have we come to fight and defend defend things at the cost of compassion, respect, and civility? And where have we prioritized those things even over you? Where are we guilty, God? Where are all of us guilty? I pray for my brothers and sisters here today who are watching. Just to lay on our hearts where we need to live differently. Speak differently post differently show us our own tendencies and propensities and sins take a moment and let God just meet you in this place
want to show you in ancient prayer. If you could put the slide up for me, please. We say this here at Fellowship of Faith a lot, and I just want you to read the words on this page. A lot of us, I think, can often readily say this, but now let me show you slide two. I'm struck by that one passage. The Christians are not to lie and to lie to each other. Because lying is something that the devil does. And when you lie, you ally yourself with him. No, we've put off our old self, our old evil nature, and are putting on and renewing ourselves in the image of the creator who speaks truth. Why am I bringing this up? Because how many Sundays have I said this thing? Wrapped up in the moment because everyone else around me is. Look, I'm just going to ask you, don't say it if you don't mean it. Don't lie. If what I said here today just makes you angry, and you're like, that's not me, then don't you dare confess your sins for it. And if you're here today, and it's cutting, but you're not willing to actually be renewed, be led, and delight in a different way, not just do it, but delight in it, don't ask for it, don't say it, don't insult God that way. Christians don't lie. And I want to encourage you to take that seriously. And then when those of us who are saying it might be saying it and and you can't, just don't. But if what I've spoken about today is something that you can identify with and you find yourself on the guilty and wanting to do it a different way, then maybe this can help guide you in how to pray. How to just talk to God and seek him in a general way. And so I just invite you now, if you'd like, to pray it with me. Here we go. Most merciful God, we confess that we are by nature sinful and unclean. We have sinned against you in thought, word, and deed by what we have done and by what we have left undone. We have not loved you with our whole hearts. We have not loved our neighbors as ourselves. We justly deserve your present and eternal punishment. But for the sake of your son, Jesus Christ, have mercy on us. Forgive us, renew us, and lead us so that we may delight in your will and walk in your ways to the glory of your holy name. Hey, listen. Listen, listen, okay? 
loves you. Even the foulest mouth and angry post among you. And hey, listen, God loves you. Those who have been the most wounded, you are not forgotten. God loves you. The most wounded and hurt and agitated, God loves you too. Look, Jesus has died for the perpetrator and the perpetrated. He's died for you and whatever track record you have up to today, this is what he says. I forgive you. Now come follow me and do it my way instead.